Uh, Colossians chapter 3, page 1167 in your pew Bibles. This is on the church calendar, Ascension Sunday. This is when we remember when Christ ascended back into heaven. Next Sunday is actually Pentecost Sunday. And in this beginning of, the, of this sermon series, People Together with God, we are actually looking at, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but there's um, four really helpful categories at the beginning, and we talk about the with God peace. And then we're going to talk about the people together peace on the back end of this sermon series. Um, and um, St. Benedict and his uh, rules for life that govern kind of the Benedictine uh, monasteries, he lists... They have a four, four things that kind of guide their community, um, which is uh, rest, work, um, worship, and prayer. Four really helpful categories on how we think of our relationship to God the Creator through Jesus Christ and access by the Holy Spirit, rest, work, worship, and prayer. And today we're going to be talking about work. And actually, what the Bible does in terms of casting a vision for the work that we put our hands to. Uh, we're going to look at Colossians 3.17. It's kind of a, a junk drawer verse. Who has a junk drawer in their house? Who has two or three? Don't raise your hand, just kidding. Yeah, we, there's a bunch, right? And the junk drawers, we have one in our kitchen that my wife hates because she throws away anything that's remotely junk or not used. She's like, toss it, get rid of it, get rid of it. I mean, with six kids, you have to, or a house be just like full of stuff, right? And so, um, but anyway, we have a junk drawer in our kitchen. I mean, I meant to look in there this morning and see what's in there, but who knows, tools, markers, screws, paper, phone chargers, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, collectively, stuff that is still useful, and that's why I argue with her, I actually use those things. There's just not like a good home, f- you know, we need a home for the junk that gets used once a year. And so um, here we have a junk drawer verse that covers a lot of, it covers everything actually. Like it kind of states extremely broadly everything in our life in one verse. There's a couple of those in uh, in scripture really. And so we're going to look at that today and talk about the big topic of work. You know, what is God's vision for our work in life? And so Really, on Ascension Sunday, as Christ ascended back into heaven, what is the work that we are left to do here? There's a a good summary statement in the Westminster uh, Catechism uh, that reads this way. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end, says this catechism, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. I think that's a fair summary. So how do we do that in our day-to-day work? This is the verse we're looking at, and then I'm going to go through some introductory things. Verse 17, just one verse today, was entirely appropriate. Colossians 3, 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we're going to break that down. So in terms of in church culture, okay, I, I, I've grown up in church culture. Some of you have. Some of you are fairly new to it. But church culture is really uh, good at busying Christians up with doing church stuff, right? 
we, we, we talk a lot and cast a lot of vision for how to be involved here, what it means to be a part of a church here, but we don't talk, unfortunately, talk near enough about taking our love and faith in Jesus Christ and the good news, the gospel itself, out into our day-to-day life, out into our workplaces, out into our classrooms, out into wherever you may find yourself on every other day of the week, what does it mean to live out our faith at what we put our hands to day in and day out? What does it mean to live out our faith in our work? If I said that you exist for the work of the Lord, as 1 Corinthians 15 actually says, we'll look at that later, Much of the church defines that work of the Lord very narrowly, okay? Reducing it essentially to things like, oh, evangelism or prayer or teaching the Bible. Great things. I hope you do those things, okay? And that is the work of the Lord. 100, yeah, absolutely. But it's it's not less than that, but it certainly is more than that, okay? That's kind of, I mean, not the best way to say it. It, it, it's, It's a bigger picture of the work that we are set out in life uh, to do as Christians and to engage, and how exactly do we do that? Um, One thing I've noticed with a lot of modern people, uh, modern families, us living in modern times, is there's not really a good answer when I ask this question. Like, what what is the, the guiding vision that encapsulates just all of your life? your waking hours, to your midday, to your sleep, and all the different things that happen throughout the day, all the different, you know, things that you're engaging in, um, your uh, Sunday morning, you know, you hear your member of this church, your faith in Christ, your work, your play, your rest. Like, is there something that, give, that guides you in terms of uh, uh, giving purpose and meaning to all those things that all those things in your life kind of have a general direction that they're pointing towards? Our society does not give a good job at giving you that general pointed direction. It segments things. It's like you clock in and clock out of work and you go to a whole different world, which is your home. It's just like it's clean cut. And that's when a lot of the kind of living for the weekend things come because people have a hard time grasping like, yeah, like what is the connection between my vocation, my work, or what I'm I'm doing during the days versus when I'm I'm not, when I'm at rest or my weekends, okay? And um, our society has, we're very segmented. We don't know how to find connection points, but thankfully the, the gospel itself certainly provides a coherent vision for all of our life to where all the different pieces, if you think of your weekly schedule, all those different pieces can come together and have a a meaningful purpose in light of Jesus Christ. For example, okay, why does a doctor work in a hospital? And why does that matter in light of the gospel? Does it? Or is it just some benign activity that, well, you have your religious activities, but, you know, work in a hospital, I don't know, that's, that's, that's fine, but, you know, here's the spiritual stuff over here. Is there a connection point? There certainly is. What about changing diapers? Is that the work of the Lord? Washing dishes, waiting tables, instructing and educating children, scrubbing floors and toilets, building houses. Does the gospel inform how we engage things? Does it connect us to our work in our lives? This is a huge topic. We can only briefly scratch the surface this morning, hopefully to, to spur you on to continue to do your own investigation within this in scriptures. 
But I want to give a, a, a broad vision this morning found in that verse, Colossians 3, verse 17. We read it once, I'll read it again. It says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Um, I'm pulling it out at the, at the kind of end of a section. It, sometimes you, you break interpretive rules to do that. But this is coming on the back end of Paul just kind of giving a whole bunch of kind of ethical and moral, you know, guidance in the Christian life. And after he's firing off on various things that we all kind of experience and live through, different emotions and different ways that we should act in light of Jesus, he kind of sums it all up. He says, and whatever you do, whatever, all right? So the Greek word for whatever that this was originally written in, it, it means whatever, like anything, Okay? It's not specific. It's intended to be extremely broad. Like, whatever you do, whatever that might be, okay? And he, he finishes up, he says, whether in word or deed. And I, I know he's talking about everything. He's trying to address everything in our life. Paul is, is the, the one who wrote these words. But I do want to focus on that word and deed component in our lives because um, as Christians— we haven't really done the best job at defining or, or uh, allowing, rather, both words and deeds in a coherent, united vision for our faith and how we live. Again, to speak specifically this morning to church culture, if you will, there's been about a century or so that the church has generally, okay, at least a, a big section, portion of the church, so at least I identify and this church identifies with um, in, in that evangelical kind of um, world, the church has been really focused on words, on things like the preaching ministry, on things like the, the verbal sharing of the gospel, right? You think of the, the crusades of, you know, the past generations of the Billy Grahams and the big evangelistic kind of crusades and the preaching and the messages and the gospel tracts. And these things are, are great. I'm not saying they're, they're bad. I'm saying that's, 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 that's great. But it's, I believe it's been a, a tad bit over, not, it's been emphasized to the neglect of not emphasizing deed. It's to the point where if, if, if you become a Bible nerd and you start knowing a lot of details about this, that there's almost like an assumption like, wow, he must be a, a super, very sincere person in his faith because he knows so much about this. They just assume that your, your holiness is connected to your knowledge of this. Um, anybody can learn a lot about the Bible, right? Anybody can know a lot. Anybody can learn the right words to say. And I, I think that words are important, but there's also scriptures in the deed component that, that certainly should be guiding us in our lives day to day that we haven't done the best job of defining. A couple of examples here. James 1.27, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is just, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to be unstained, holiness, you know, unstained from the world. Psalm 82, verse 3, give justice to the weak and fatherless. Maintain the rights of the afflicted and the destitute. Isaiah 1, verse 17, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, 
Bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. Isaiah 1, 17. And there's hundreds more where that came from all throughout Scripture. And I grew up in the world of the church that when we, when I, when we found, this is the deep south, but when you found churches doing that sort of work, there was almost, an, a, 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 we had a label for it. We called it the social gospel. I was really trained this way. I was thinking, I was trained to think, well, yeah, if, if people are poor, you know, but they're still going to hell and they need to be, you know, saved. And the most important thing is they need to hear the gospel. Like, who, you know, why give them food? Like, the first thing's first. They need to be saved. They need to hear the message and respond and, and et cetera and so forth. It, it's a very narrow definition when we talk about the work that lies in front of us as Christians. It's very narrow. And Paul, when he says word and deed, we need to kind of zoom out and say, yes, it's word. It's important that people hear and respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. But the work of Jesus is broader. It is bigger, right? Just in Scripture, you know, um, uh, as we see in this passage, word and deed cannot be separate issues. They cannot be, you know, cut as if they're two separate things. Paul didn't reduce the Christian work to word, nor did he reduce the Christian work to deed. He's trying to, via a broad statement, to bring connection to these two things to give us coherence for them in our life. He is saying that there is not a single word nor a single deed that is not connected to the good news of Jesus Christ in our lives. And he's trying to kind of fully engage us, all of us, okay? He's trying to, you know, it's almost like, you know, by just focusing on one of those things, it's just like you're using one finger, but you have four other ones that you're not using. And Paul is saying, like, we got to use all of this. Like, be fully engaged here, whatever you're doing in word or in deed. So I have six children, and I think I've mentioned this because I feel like I do it all the time. Our appliances are always breaking because we use them like four or five times more than any manufacturer intends their stuff to be made. And so we just breeze through appliances like there's no tomorrow. And so um, I'm, at least once a month, my dryer is like taken apart in my basement, like literally once a month at this point. So I've gotten really good at that. I think it's a couple of weeks I was talking about that. I did it again uh, this past week or so. But when you take apart something to replace it, like you see, you know, a, a pulley, okay, I had to replace that in my washer recently. A pulley, a little belt, okay, by itself you're like, well, I, you know, how does this pulley, this little belt, contribute to what the point of the washing machine is to wash my clothes? What does this little belt have to do with, with the big picture intention of this machine, which is to wash clothes? What does this little belt have to do with that? Well, it won't spin without it, right? Every little piece contributes to the main goal, which is to get my clothes clean, just the same as in the dryers, any kind of motor function has this, right? Every little piece is contributing to the main picture here. And this is what Paul is trying to bring together for us. He wants us to see that vision in our life by saying whatever you do, whether in word or deed, all of these parts have a common goal. And he mentions it. What is the common goal? He says, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. They all work together. And he says, in the name of the Lord Jesus. So let's talk about this. What, what does it mean to do something in the name of the Lord Jesus? It sounds good. It sounds very Christian, if you want to say it that way. But how do you actually, you know, unite all of these parts in our life to be aimed 
towards the name, or be in, rather, as it says, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, one thing you can do is assume, we have to break this, I'm going to say it again, we have to break through the immediate thought that um, these are all just overtly specific religious activities of prayer, Bible reading, etc., and so forth. Okay, um, we have to, to break through that. Here, here's some more verses that, that are comprehensive as well. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that, you're, that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It's another juncture verse as he finishes talking about the resurrection. He says, in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, always be doing the work of the Lord. He's writing to a church, not a bunch of pastors and ministry. He's writing to his congregation saying, because Jesus rose from the dead, because you have salvation in him and he has given you new life through his spirit, always be abounding to reflect the work that God is presently doing in this world that he has done and that he is doing Always be aiming that that work be reflected in your own life. I'm going to get as practical as I possibly can. In this room, we have many different vocations represented. We have many in this room that are in the medical industry. Some are or were in education, mechanical, uh, governmental, service, retail. Some drive trucks. Some of you may be stay-at-home parents. Some of you uh, uh, may be homeschool, like my wife. Some of you are retired and have a plethora of activities throughout the day. Okay, I want you to just reflect on like your, your week. Like, what is the work that's in front of you? Okay, I want to walk through how that can be transformed in your life to be aimed in the name of Lord Jesus, to be always abounding in those things unto the Lord. I think the journey of how to answer that, how to get you know, practical here, requires doing a little bit of, of understanding how God has um, uh, related to this, how he has shown himself to this world. Because here's the idea. God's work in this world needs to be reflected in our work in this world. Once we learn to connect our work with the work of God, and then we become a, 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 uh, a fulfillment of that job of being ambassadors for him, wherever we may find ourselves. So he, here's, here's where it begins in John 1, 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I think it kind of begins here, that God became flesh. This is how God chose to reveal himself to us, by becoming a human being, by becoming one of us. Jesus, the God-man, lived the fullness of the human experience, minus the sin part, right? But he, he fully lived the human experience. And as he did so, as, as he showed us who God is like through his life, through the work that he engaged, we can call this revelation, God revealing himself to us. And when we become Christians through turning from sins, repenting of our sins, and embracing Jesus as both Lord and Savior, the idea is through, as the Holy Spirit is given to us and lives in us, that God is still revealing himself through us. That that work was, yes, it was finished on the cross, and now it's time to spread out that finished work through God revealing himself continually through you in this room. 
And that means that that's all of you, not some of you, not a piece of you, not a little bit of your heart, not just, you know, your Sunday morning or not just your evenings or not just when you're not working. It's your workplace. It's your home. It's your membership here. It's how you talk to your kids, how you love and treat your kids or your grandkids or your neighbors or how you engage your friends or how everything in your life is an area to where God is saying, I want to show myself through you to all of those people in your life. I want to show them through your work in life, my goodness and my love and my grace that is found in my son. I want that just pouring out of you, permeating all of you. When Jesus began his ministry, he, yeah, he did a lot of teaching. He did a lot of eating and drinking with people in their homes. He was constantly found at tables, sharing meals with people. He was healing people. He was serving people. He was speaking hard truths and also doing it in the most gracious and compassionate of ways. All of who God was surfaced in Christ. And Jesus wants that to be in our life as well. John 15 is very clear in this, verse 26 and 27. He says, when the helper comes, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, after he ascended, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about you, about me, excuse me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. The Holy Spirit's coming to bear witness to me about who Jesus is so I may bear witness in my life to who Jesus is to those around me. So how does this, how does this pertain to our work, what you find yourself doing during the day? Um, with endless applications, just a few things we have to talk about. I think if we talk about, answer questions like, well, who is God? What is God like? Who, you know, what was, who is Jesus and how did he live and what was he like? What are the things that you know, characterized him? Because certainly those are the things that then characterize our work. The word Christian simply means many or little Christs, right? That's all that word means. It was meant actually as mockery at the beginning, um, but we kind of kept it. It was like, that's kind of good. It's kind of a good name. Many Jesuses, little Christs. Yeah, that's us. So how does this pertain to our work? I think a, a good statement to make here is first this, that you are not your career. We talked about this a little bit last week. I want you to hear me out. You are not, those of you who are still steeped in careers right now and you're still kind of going at it, I know some of you have retired in this room, but if you're steeped in your job right now and you're steeped in your career, I want you to hear this. This is very important. You are not your job. You are not your career, your identity, how you think about yourself. That's not who you are. If you know Jesus this morning, if you have faith in him and you are gathered into his family, you are first a child of God. You are first a redeemed son or daughter who is in his image. You are first a loved child of God before anything else. If your identity is wrapped up in your work, then your successes Will, will make you feel far too confident in yourself. It will bloat your, your, uh, your own thoughts about yourself. Uh, your failures may make you think that you, are, you yourself are a failure and that you yourself are, are failing in life and you may fall into even despair, right? Your identity has to get pulled and says, no, 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 no. First, in Jesus Christ, you are a child of God and you get to do what God has allowed you to do. 
You get to be a mechanic. You get to be a doctor. You get to go and fix, you know, engines throughout the day or whatever may be in front of you. Now you get to do that. It's his ambassador. You are first mine. I think we're in a way we actually mock God by, by identifying ourselves with our careers if that is who I am. He says, no, like you're mine first. You're mine. We'll get, we'll get to this here in a minute. Number one here, uh, number two, sorry, excuse me. Uh, God is good. And so we engage, when we, when we pull ourselves out from our identity that is so often wrapped up in our work, we, when we find that in Christ, we realize we get to do the things that we do throughout the week. Here, here's, here's a very broad and important thing. God is good, and so we work in the name of Jesus Christ by identifying the goodness of your work. This is what I mean. Psalm 34, verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Like God is good. That's, that's who he is. That's one of his identities. He himself is good. Taste and see that he is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So what is good about your work? Think about this. Even if you're retired, you're still in it. Like think about what you do throughout the day. What is good in that? If you're a student and you're, 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 you're you know, steeped in the classroom and you're laboring away there, like what is good about your work? It may seem like a simple question, but even in the most mundane of tasks, consider what is good about this work. I had one, one pastor I heard talked about it. It's kind of funny, but it's actually really true. He pointed out how when you ask this question, it, makes, it can make the most mundane of tasks have meaning. Who loves washing dishes? That's why he thought. Nobody does, right? But imagine if you just never washed dishes. You were just like, nope. I ain't doing it. But then you were hungry. You're like, I'm just going to eat on a dirty dish. And there's moldy food. Well, you'll get sick. And then you'll die because you didn't clean your dishes. Okay? Somebody's got to clean dishes. And that's actually a good thing because it keeps you healthy. And it keeps a clean plate for your next meal because you got to eat. That's a good thing. Somebody's got to do it. And praise God for the people that do. That's a good thing to contribute to a household or to a restaurant and to a world to give good, clean dishes, to really do a good job, to make sure those dishes are clean lest somebody does get sick from old food on it. It's a good thing to do. Sweeping the floor. Nobody loves sweeping floors. But if your house gets so dirty and germs get everywhere because there's just garbage and dirt everywhere, eventually you get sick and eventually you're not going to make it. Cleaning the house is good. Praise God for the people who clean homes. That's good work. Think about your job. What is good about your work? If you're providing a service during, in our community here, thank you. Do it well. That's a good thing. We need plumbers. I had one come in and install a water heater in my house. Like, I need plumbers. We, we all need somebody to come and clog toilets and fix broken water pipes. And what is the good in your work? Identify that good. However mundane it may feel, repetitious, or, or as non-world impacting as it may feel, but recognize this, this, I'm bringing good to the world through this. This is a good thing. I want to do this in the name of the Lord Jesus because he is good. And when I bring goodness to the world, I'm bringing just a little bit of a glimpse of who God is to this world. Number two, identify, it's in, the, in line with the first one, Identify how your work serves others. How does it serve others? 
There's an important thing here about our work. How does it serve others? Jesus himself came not to serve, um, not to be served, but to serve. Romans 15, 2 through 3, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up, for Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. There is beauty in serving others. It turns our own minds and our hearts away from us, and it makes life about, if first your motivation comes from the Lord Jesus who gave himself for us, your eyes are on him that they may be on those around you and off of yourself. Love God, love neighbor. That's the healthy orientation for your life. How does your work serve others throughout the week? There's beauty in being students who, uh, you know, are engaging their studies in order that you may finally finish up to go and serve others with the training you just received, or doctors or nurses in this room, there's beauty in your work of serving the sick, even for those who are, who are fixing things for a living, electricians and contractors. Everyone needs you and you're serving us. Thank you for that. That is something good. But if you only engage those things just for yourself, if your only motivation in your day-to-day work is to say, what's in it for me? You're going to be a miserable person just working for the weekend because it's, you're never going to find what you're looking for because that, you, you, you're, you're removing essentially God from the picture, removing Jesus Christ from the picture, and there's that eternal hole that's now there, and you're trying to fill it, and it's not going to be filled. If your work is primarily about making money, you'll never have enough. If your work is primarily just climbing the ladder just so you can continue to gain and gain more power and influence in your company, you'll never be satisfied. But engaging it, of course you need to make money and provide and et cetera and so forth. There is the need of, of work, sure. But if you're engaging it saying, what is good here? How can I serve other people here? How can I display the goodness of Jesus through my work? That's a whole different motivation that will continually feed you every single day and motivate you to go and to give it all, all that you have. and know that others around you may just get a glimpse of who Jesus is in your work. And then when the occasions arise, when people see you, people see you engaging your day-to-day life in that manner, your day-to-day work, and those opportunities arise to verbally share in word the good news of Jesus, they're going to be seeing a, co- seeing a coherent picture of you, a connected picture. It's like, oh, that's why that person is so passionate about cleaning toilets. I didn't understand why. Okay, but they just told me. It's because of who Jesus is, because he saved them, because he wants the goodness of God to be revealed in him, the work of God to be revealed in him, and everybody needs clean toilets, therefore I clean toilets because we all need clean toilets. That's a good thing. And the picture will be drawn, connection points will be made, and thus you are an ambassador for Jesus Christ in this world. Here's my whole point, as you're on the back end of my sermon here. Glorify God in all that you do. In all that you do. Only in the gospel, only in the gospel which comes outside of ourself. It's a message that says it's the work of God outside that is gifted to us through his son Jesus. Only in that revealed work of Jesus through his life, death, and resurrection and by the power of the Spirit can we truly find motivations for such living. The world often says you're you're doing this for yourself, you're doing this for your own betterment, 
whatever makes you happy, in, in, increase that black on the balance sheets, right? At all costs, whatever makes you happy, you, 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 you. And we're trying to flip this around and says, no, 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 it's about God and it's about others. You will find such joy as you engage that. As we close, um, there's a, another part of this verse that is kind of, I think, the secret of this. The secret of this living. The back end of Colossians 3.17. Paul addresses this on the back end by saying, we do all this in word or deed, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thanksgiving. What does thanksgiving have to do with this? Thanksgiving indicates something very important. You know, it's a common thing. If you grow up in any kind of religious household or you grow up in the church, you know, praying for, you know, over a meal before you eat it, okay? Um, that food, is, there's many scriptures that point that, you know, we don't live in an agrarian society where we, we literally go out and see the wheat that we're eating because we're the ones that cut it from our own fields. And, you know, I'm trying to get blueberry bushes growing right now, and I have this tree that's in the way, and it's not quite enough sun. But I mean, I, when I see this, these bushes grow, I'm just like, I'm not making it grow. Like, sunshine makes it grow. Like, it's crazy to think about. Like, the sun is there, and because of the sun, this plant grows. I, I, I can't, I got nothing to do with that. I just got to move stuff around so it gets enough sunlight. Right? Food grows. We might plant a seed, but we can't sit there and, and you know, look at it and, you know, make it grow or something. Like, it, God provides this for us. And we have an attitude to say, thank you. Yeah, maybe we come from some manufacturing facility in 2022, but they still got their food somewhere from the ground as well, right? It, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's a realization that what you have is a gift, that what you have is given to you from the outside. And you say, thank you. And as we're looking at this, what we're, what we're identifying is all this work and all these motivations come from the outside. That if there's a job you have, it's a gift. Say thanks for it. Wake up. Maybe you're not working tomorrow, so holiday. Wake up Tuesday if you're going to work and say thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for this opportunity I have to go and to work. It's a blessing, and I thank you for it. Because you're recognizing it's a gift. So waking up, instead of in drudgery, you have to wake up in thanksgiving. Our broken society needs to be reminded through the gospel that we are not here for ourselves. That humanity is not only, you know, is not working only to care for itself, but we are working as stewards of an earth that was given to us by a creator God that says, steward this well and be my children in loving one another just as I have loved you. We ourselves do not belong to us. Listen to this verse in Romans 14. The one who observes the day, this is Romans 14, 6 through 9, okay? This is such a cool verse here, group of verses. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Here we go. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us die to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Another juncture statement, right? For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that we might be Lord both of the dead and of, he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living 
You belong to Jesus. That's a freeing thought. We're talking about freedom here. That's a freeing thought. This purchase from God transforms us to be people of thanksgiving, people who live in a constant state of knowing that what you have right now you've received from the Lord. And so as we close here, Emmanuel, here's what I want and pray for this church. Let's be a church that is this, this total package of witness to the gospel. Our full witness of the gospel in this city can indeed bring about the grace of God and be deeply impactful to this city as the goodness of God just permeates our city through this, this, this group of Christians in here, workers, parents, grandparents, students, wherever you may be in life, live and breathe and wherever you may live and breathe and work in our communities, may the glory of Jesus Christ shine and permeate you as we give witness to his life and his death and his resurrection. Our time of response, we have prayer. Call the worship team up as we lead us on one last song. Um, as we close this morning, a couple of questions. Maybe you're here this morning and you're, and you're saying, yeah, I, I, I actually don't feel I have a lot of purpose when I engage the work that is in front of me, right? Or maybe you're retired and you say, I, I have this time that I just don't quite know like what the purpose, like what to do with it. I have a lot of it. I don't know quite what to do with it. Maybe you're a student in school. Maybe you're in college this morning. And you're saying, you know, I, I, I've, I'm tired of the repetition. Just every day, the same stuff, the same classes, the same thing. Can it just be over to get my degree and get out of here, right? Uh, are you lacking purpose in your life? I pray that the things that were shared, that God has just kind of been working in your heart to see the opportunity that lies before you to engage these things as an ambassador of the good news of Jesus Christ, that if you need prayer this morning, come and pray that the Holy Spirit may soften your hearts, that you may see that and live it and embrace it and find and tap into the joy that is offered to us when we do so, to find that vision, to find that purpose if there's anything else this morning that the Spirit of God is, anything I may have said, sometimes God chooses to get something, some little remark that I said and just be convicting you of something entirely different that I preached this morning, I I want you to respond to that too. And if you need any prayer, whatever that might be, please come forward during or after this last song. So let me me pray. Jesus, we, we thank you, Lord, that the good news of your work and give purpose and meaning to all of our life. Lord, this world, these are tough times. We know these are unique times we live in. But Lord, it is never too late for us to to be out there, Lord, to be out in our communities, to be out in our work, in our classrooms, uh, just embracing the call to be, as uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says, of, of ambassadors of this good news. Lord, you are love, you are goodness, you are grace, you are truth. Lord, fill us, let it overflow throughout our lives. Remind us, Lord, that we belong to you, that our jobs are not our identity and who we are, but we belong to you, Lord. And all that we have is a gift that we get to do, we get to engage. Lord, I I think of Genesis 1 when you said, all this world is good and you called us to go out and to be stewards of this world, to multiply ourselves, to take care of this place and to be good stewards of it, to create, to build just like you did. Lord, give us vision for this in our lives. May Emmanuel just be a hub of, of, of uh, 
workers, Lord, that are just creating beautiful things and, and, and bringing righteousness to the workplace and bringing virtue and bringing uh, witness to the gospel in this community, Lord. Lord, and I, I just pray that um, even for those in our lives that uh, need to hear and to see the good news through us, Lord, uh, equip us for that, empower us, empower us for that, Jesus. And um, we love you, Lord, so much. And we pray this in your name. Amen.